This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. This broadcast marks the beginning of a second sermon on Psalm 44, the Martyr Song. In the first sermon, we mentioned a five-point outline to this song that was given to us years ago by F.B. Meyer. Here's how it went. Number one, thou hast helped us. Number two, thou must help us. Number three, thou art not helping us. Number four, we are not conscious of having done anything to forfeit thy help. Number five, we ask for thy help. What we noted here, the first point is, Thou hast helped us, verses 1 through 3. And we noted four things. First, we noted that here there is a remembrance of the providence of God, and the providence of God is the expressions of His sovereign rule in history. Providence is what we see of God working out His sovereignty in history, in the story of life. Remembering and recollecting the providence of God is not evoking some mythological story. It is the recalling of historical accounts that have been given to us by our fathers of God's saving work among us. It is the history of God moving to save a people unto Himself. Our faith rises from the facts of history, what God has done. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ are testified by many and proclaimed throughout the earth. It doesn't rise from some fanciful idea or notion that we cling to. It's not the result of some natural theology that we produce by mere observation of things around us and projecting them upon things of our lives, upon our idea of life. It's not the myths of what people produce. Myths are produced by people who have no great factual story to tell of their salvation. No. Ours is the story of what God has done. It's the remembrance of His providential, sovereign work, facts. Second thing we learned is that it is the history, or this history of God's saving work, is an account of winners and losers. Our stories of our great salvation are noteworthy just because they're not everyone's story. The Christian's testimony is the testimony of one who's passed out from a darkness that most of those in the world are still in. That's our story of salvation. Third thing we noted is the history of salvation, the story of our salvation, is a story of something that God does entirely. God is the one who saves us. It's all of His work. It's nothing that we do. It's not by our strength or by our power. It's by His work alone. The fourth thing that we noted last week was this. God's saving history is for us. That He saves some has but one explanation, and it's this. God loved and delighted in us. There's no other explanation for it. It's not because of any merit He found in ourselves. It's not because He anticipated that we'd be the really good ones. Simply because, for some strange and unknown reason, because, because, God loved us and God chose us. And that's what we looked about last week. All of these things that are focused upon in this first point that God has helped us comes to the recollection of the author of this psalm because of the present state that he's in. And the present state that this author is in is a world of hurt. 
He's in a very difficult, hard situation. And it's in the midst of this present situation that he is brought about to consider another time, a better season, a better time that took place in the lives of his father. So for the moment, I want to kind of look at this rest of this outline, but I don't want to go in the order that we've said. The first thing we've said is that God has helped us. The second point is thou must help us. And we'll get to that in just a moment, but let's look at the present state that the author is in when he's saying these things, when he says point one, and when he says point two, which are his leading points, were his leading statement. This is what he wants to be known above everything else. God, you've helped in the past. You must help us now. We're relying upon you, and we will praise you. But he says these things in the present state of points three and four. So let's look at those next. Points three and four. Point three is this. Thou art not helping us. Actually, just the opposite is taking place here. God, you are the one bringing this suffering upon us. That's what he says in verses 9 through 16. Now, this is a particularly egregious moment in his life because it stands in contrast to everything that he said to be true of what God has done throughout history and what God has done for his fathers. And everything that he says is true about what he needs and what he relies upon, but God, you're not delivering it in this moment. The present state of this author is not good. He's suffering. He's suffering incredibly, egregiously. The God who sovereignly rose up to deliver his father is now wielding his power over history to let wash over him misery and suffering. The same God. But there are two things I want us to observe about this third section. You are not helping us. And the two things I want us to note are this. First, please note that here, the psalmist understands that God is still in control. Let me just say something. I don't suspect that any of you at this moment are in the state that the psalmist is in when he's writing it. The psalmist is apparently not simply writing about himself. He's writing about something national that's taking place in the nation of Judah or Israel in which judgments are coming in upon them in the middle of an hour in which they've been particularly faithful to God, it hasn't seemed to arrest the tide of the enemy and the enemy is flooding in and we don't know what type of injustices the enemy is ruthlessly bringing upon the people. This person has probably stood up before the people, told the people to trust in God and believe in Him and rest in Him and pray and God will preserve them. He probably told them the stories of how the Father of the past has protected them and delivered them. It's happened and God hasn't come through. That's the situation he's in. It might be the situation of the Christian church in different lands today where their homes are being razzed to the ground, where they're being put to death at incredible numbers, and they're suffering the loss of everything they hold dear even as they cling to God and claim His promises. That's the situation. I don't think there's anyone in our fellowship this morning. They might feel this way. It will probably be hyperbole that is exactly in the situation. But it's wonderful to go to the depth of human suffering and find in it God's solution and answer for ourselves and the lessons we need to learn. And the lessons stand true whether you're experiencing this or not. Here are the things that we can learn out of this. The first thing notice here is this. Note here that the psalmist understands again that God is still in control. The sad situations of his life do not indicate in any way that God has lost control over the situation. 
the first stanza, he speaks and says, God, you were in complete control over the history and outcomes of our father's lives, and you weave together a wonderful story of victory and salvation. And yet now he comes to the third stanza, and God is still in control. He's the actor in all of this story. The verbs in the middle stanza attribute all of the final effects to the psalmist's terrible situation to the hand of God. He says, you have rejected us. You have disgraced us. You have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe. You have scattered us like sheep for the slaughter. You have sold us for a trifle. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors. You have made us a laughingstock. God, this is your work. You're sovereign. You're in control. We need to understand something. God doesn't take responsibility for the sinful actions of others. He doesn't commit the sins, but He controls the history and the outcomes of even sin so that no event gets past His hand. He's utterly in control. He's not in the sin in the action, but He's in all of the action, controlling, conducting His affairs. Look to Isaiah chapter 10, verses 5-19 to for a moment. And let's look at this. Let's see an illustration of this. How God is controlling the history and the outcomes of even the sinful actions of individuals. I want to read this passage to you in the NIV. Here, God speaks of the judgment that He is going to put upon the nation of Assyria. And in this passage, we learn that God is using Assyria to judge the idolatry of the nations that surround them and to also judge the idolatry that is found in the nation of Israel and in the nation of Judah. God actually calls Assyria, in verse 5, the rod of my anger, in whose hand is the club of my wrath. God is wielding Assyria for His own ends and His purposes. Now, Assyria is a particularly ruthless nation who, when they overthrew nations, overthrew them with tremendous violence as they subjugated those nations. And yet God says here that this work, this ruthless work of the Assyrians, is in His own judging hand. Then God declares that He is going to judge Assyria. There are other passages of Scripture where God declares that He will judge the nations that He used to judge other nations because they came with a harshness of their own evil intents. But God accomplished His purposes. God says the same thing for Assyria. Listen to this thought here. Though God controlled the history of events, and as a result, the Assyrians were not free agents acting independently of God, yet God accomplished His purposes through the exercise of Syria's own free will and choice, own sinful free will and choice. They had free will, but they weren't free agents to accomplish whatever they wanted to accomplish. God was always in control. And as a result, though God was in control, Assyria embraces it by their own sinful free will, and so they are accountable for their sins, regardless of how God uses that for His own purposes. See this. Verse 12, look at this. When the Lord has finished all His work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, what's that work? His work through Assyria, judging them, bringing judgment upon them? He will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look of his eyes. For he says, by the strength of my hand I have done this, 
and by my wisdom, because I have understanding. I have removed the boundaries of nations. I have plundered their treasures like a mighty one. I have subdued their kings. As one reaches into a nest, so my hand reached for the wealth of the nations. As people gathered abandoned eggs, so I gathered all the countries. Not one flapped a wing or opened its mouth to chirp. God answers. Does the axe raise itself above the person who swings it? Or the saw boast against the one who uses it? As if a rod were to wield the person who lifts it up, or a club brandish the one who is not wood. Therefore, the Lord God Almighty will send a wasting disease upon His sturdy warriors, upon the warriors of Assyria. Under His pomp, the arrogance of Assyria, a fire will be kindled like a blazing fire. The light of Israel, that's the name God gives Himself, the very Israel that God has judged through Assyria. God says, I'm still the light of Israel. The light of Israel will become a fire. Their holy one, a flame. God is speaking of himself. In a single day, it will burn and consume Assyria's thorns and briars. The splendor of his forest and fertile fields, he will completely destroy. As when a sick person wastes away, and the remaining trees of his forest will be so few that a child could write them down. You know, the one who counts one to ten will write it all down. God is in control. Man is responsible for his sins. God guides the action of all things to his ends. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208 331 4096. Until our next broadcast, may the Lord bless you.